0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This
1: is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, it's halfway through the second quarter. Monday Night Football in Seattle. And I will give you an updated score in about four seconds because the Seahawks are trying a field goal. And it's good. So it's 10-3, Seattle leading Denver with 7.20 left in the second quarter. We've uh, had the off-topic topic topic tonight. Some of you writing in which oiler was it most difficult for you to see play for another team after he left Edmonton for whatever reason. Uh, Let somebody say uh, Adam Graves playing for Calgary.
0: There is a correction on
1: that. Is it is it Marty Gelina? Is that that's it? Meant? That's who
0: the the okay. was referring to. Uh, was Martin Martan Gelina?
1: Okay, that makes much more sense. And I was going to say, my buddy Gene Principe, who's listening tonight, said, "I wonder if that person meant Marty Gelina." So uh, there we go. First of all, Gene Principe, uh, incredibly nice guy, and apparently very perceptive, and perhaps a mind reader. We don't know. We we don't know. How do you prove if somebody's a mind reader? Well, we have a little bit of proof because Gene knew what that guy meant. And you and I were lost, Kellen. Now, that could also just prove that you and I are generally in a fog. Who knows? Uh, I don't know if you do this about Gene Principe. Hmm. Uh, Gene Principe ran the uh, half marathon on oh. August 21st. Oh, cool. Yes. Uh, Gene's a very fit gentleman, mm-hmm. and decided he was going to do. We'll have to have him on the show to tell the uh, story someday and talk about his summer. He's always welcome on the program. I hope
0: fellow a fellow Northsider like myself, so you know the, there
1: he is. Yes, you guys grew up like what th- uh, neighbors, pretty much. I used to go to the Bottle Depot together.
0: The <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. I've yeah, I think he's in close to the same neighborhood as I am. If I'm I'm not maybe a few minutes north of him or something like that where he grew up. But there we go. So.
1: All right, that is uh, that is awesome. So thank you, Gene, and thank you to that texture for. Uh, I was a little bit confused. I was like, Adam Graves has a flame. I do not remember that. That's because it didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. All right, that, yeah. that explains that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Oh my goodness, the Elks were crushed on Saturday. They. Uh, Well, I mean, they forced a punt and then they got a couple of first downs and then it's a pick six and then they score a touchdown and you think, okay, maybe they're back in it. Uh, Gave up uh, another touchdown and another block punt. So you're down twenty one seven and you've allowed a touchdown against you by the Calgary offense. You've allowed the Calgary defense to score and you basically allowed the Calgary special teams to score because they cover recovered the block punt on the one. So the offense didn't have to do much to get it in. And the way things are going for the Elks this season, as soon as it was was 21-7, I was thinking, I don't know if they can come back. And uh, they couldn't. Obviously, there were some touchdowns scored late in the game that didn't really affect the outcome, but uh, 56-28. So now they go into Saskatchewan on Friday and a matchup of two teams who both allowed 50 points in their last outings as Saskatchewan got spanked pretty bad by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Tough season for the Elks. Morley Scott will have more between 7.30 and 8. The U of A Golden Bears football team is 1-1 one and one in large part thanks to this guy, receiver Colby Herford. Four catches for 202 yards and three touchdowns. He hit a 34-11 win over Manitoba on Friday night. Colby checks in now. Colby, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing?
2: Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, it's great to have you on the show. Talk about some eye-popping stats. My goodness, four receptions, 202 yards, and three touchdowns. Does it still settle surreal to
2: hear those? It's kind of crazy. Um, I never thought that would happen, but it felt good when I was out there. Everything was going right for me. It was. It was nice to be out there
1: uh i mean that's that's an amazing game have you had a game where you've had stats anywhere near that i mean obviously you played high school and i assume would have been a star player but where does this rank for uh career stats
2: i think this is up there top two for sure mostly because it's uh university football not high school but i had a couple games like this in high school but the environment here in homecoming and it was just kind of surreal to have that kind of game in front of all those people. So I think that it might be my top moment for sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, and usually if a guy gets uh, over 200 yards receiving, he's got like 11, 12, 13 catches. You did it on four. So uh, tell me about getting open for big plays. Was this taking advantage of the defense Just you and your QB were on the same page? I mean, tell me about these long gains.
2: Well, I think it started with our O-line that did a great job this game protecting. And um, my other receivers did a great job of taking two defenders sometimes, just holding the other's eyes. And then Eli just did a great job staying in the pocket, staying strong, and just being mature in the pocket, being able to find me downfield and take advantage of the missed coverage.
1: All right. So how, how much yak did you have on these? Were you like, you still had to run aways, I assume, or were there any you caught right in the end zone?
2: Uh, my first one, I think I caught right in the end zone. I almost fell, but I got a little nervous. I was a little too open, but I ended up catching it and falling right in the end zone. Um, I think the last one I had 40 yards after the catch, and the other one I had like 20-some yards. Eli did a great job getting it out there and making me have to run a little bit less, so that felt nice.
1: Okay. Uh, I mean, after you got the first two, were you thinking, okay, maybe that's it for today? or <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, they clearly weren't double or triple covering you if you kept getting open.
2: Well, uh, my thought was just, you need to go out there and bounce back from last week and get a big win. So I was just doing whatever I was told and trying my best to just go through the progression and do my job.
1: All right. well Now, tell me about the one reception you didn't score on. What happened on that play? <laughs> uh,
2: I just ran a quick out route, and um, the guy ended up getting me, which was... I couldn't get in the end zone on that one, but it was okay. It, it helped me out there.
1: Yeah, still got some decent yardage. You made, you mentioned your quarterback, Eli. He's quite a story because he's relatively young, isn't he? Is this his first year starting?
2: It's his first year starting. We're in the same class, though. We both graduated in 2020. I've known Eli since 2017. We played on the same Bantam Bowl team. Then we played Team Albertas together. But the funny thing is me and him went to rival high schools. We did not like each other in high school. Hated each other. But... After high school, we started throwing around all the time in COVID year. Just got get to get our chemistry all together. So me and Eli have known each other for a long time. Has a love-hate relationship for each other. But last night it was, over Friday night it was, it was going good for both of us.
1: Okay, so uh, your Sal was he? Is he Ainley? Is that his school? Okay. Yeah, he's an Ainley. So far. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've overcome the high school rivalry to have a pretty good connection. Um, you mentioned Friday night, the homecoming. I, I'm hoping you can go uh, into a little bit more detail about that vibe. I know Cam Moon, who works on our Oilers broadcast, he was at the game and was texting me updates while I was doing this show. And he said the, the it was pretty full, pretty loud. What was it like being on the field in front of that?
2: It was electric, even though when you're in the game, you kind of don't really notice it, but you could for sure feel the, whenever you make a big play, you could hear the roar and hear the crowd getting into it. It, w- it helped us helped us get into the flow there in the second quarter after the the punt recovery. You could just hear the roar through the entire stadium. It was unreal, I think. It was surreal for me to be in that environment. Yeah.
1: Well, and a big win. Uh, I, I mean, I know 0-2 wouldn't have been the end of the year, but 0-2 in an eight-game season makes it a little bit tougher. I mean, that's, that's a huge one to get up to one-on-one
2: yeah big game for us for sure
1: okay all right so i, I want to get to know you a little bit so you went to sal were you uh, recruited by a lot of schools or, or tell me about the process of deciding to play for the golden bears
2: um i was decently recruited at a high school but my parents played a big role in helping me come down in my decision because i'm a mama's boy i want to stay close to my family so and coach morris welcomed me with open arms rick walters the whole coaching staff was great in my recruiting process. And I ended up once Eli committed one of my best friends, Sony Bermuda Chavez committed as well with me. So I think it was more of just, we're trying to build something here and they had a lot of upward um, projection going with a great recruiting class year before us that we thought this would be a great place to, to have a shot at winning.
1: Yeah. Did, did you play football before high school? When did it start for you?
2: I started really young. I ended up, I lived in a small town, Redwater, and my dad would drive me to St. Albert, which is a 45-minute drive four times a week for me to play minor football in St. Albert, so he took a lot of time and commitment for him to drive me there. He coached me a lot as well, so I started really young. I think I've been playing football for about 12 years over 12 years now. So.
1: Oh, good stuff. Okay. And was your dad a player or, or he just recognized you had a passion for it and then just kept you going?
2: My dad was a basketball player. He never played football, but my my older brother started playing football and then my dad kind of fell in love with the game. And then I continued to play and he started to learn and do a whole bunch of coaching clinics to help me understand and get me better.
1: Okay. I got to ask you this next question. And I ask almost every football player I interview this question because i've i've gotten some really interesting answers over the years sometimes some unexpected ones were you always a receiver what was what was the first position for you
2: the first position for me was actually quarterback i played quarterback all the way up until high school and then i made that transition in grade 10 of high school
1: and who moved you what what's the story there
2: Uh, I ended up going to Sal and I noticed they had a really good quarterback at the time. And I knew I wasn't going to play. So I'm like, I want to play at least. So I'm going to switch over to receiver. I played a couple of games of receiver in Bantam, not many though, but I was like, it's the only shot I got to get on the field. So I'm like, I'm going to do what I got to do to get on the field and help the team out.
1: So do you think your past as a quarterback? I'm wondering how that if at all helped you as a receiver, once you lined up there.
2: I think it helped me understanding playbooks a lot, like being able to grasp a playbook faster than some people and just being able to understand what's going on.
1: All right. Well, that's an interesting perspective. So you're probably seeing when you line up a receiver, you're probably seeing more than just your job now, right? Because do you still ever think like a quarterback when you line up?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say as much as I you would think it's more of our, our receiver coaches and other coaches do a great job preparing us of what to see and me knowing what I need to be looking at helps me understand and just being able to memorize what their tendencies are and what they're doing and how to take advantage of it really helps.
1: Okay. Awesome. All right. And what are you studying at U of A?
2: I'm in my education degree.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. Well, good for you. So you got some interest there. Uh, how do you, how do you balance the school and the, and the athletics, and, and, you know, you mentioned COVID. Obviously, that threw a wrench kind of into everything, but uh, how, how, how what, what are some of your secrets to time management?
2: Um, I like to plan my days out. I have a big calendar with all my times that I need to set aside to do things, and then sometimes, some days, it doesn't go as planned, but most days, you just be able to stay on your calendar and make sure everything gets done.
1: Okay, and tell you got Calgary coming up on Friday. What do you expect there?
2: Well, uh, they're a good team. Um, We're going to prepare like any other week we prepare for and just go out there and play football. And I'm really excited to get back on the field, but they're a good team and they're going to give us a fight for sure.
1: Right on. Okay. Well, Colby, again, congratulations on the huge game on Friday night. Thanks for telling your story. And uh, absolutely, go get them on Friday against the Dinos, man. Thanks for coming on Inside
2: Sports. Thanks for having me.
1: Colby Herford from the U of A Golden Bears so he goes uh, four receptions for 202 yards and three touchdowns Bears quarterback Eli Hetlinger goes 19 for 28 for 352 yards three touchdowns and an interception the Bears got the win 34 11 over Manitoba on Friday Morley Scott checking in to prep you for the Elks this week next Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right. Another football note here. JP Bull yesterday, Edmonton Huskies over the Edmonton Wildcats, 25-22 Prairie Football Conference. So the Huskies bump up their record to two and two. Wildcats now at 0-4. They're halfway through the regular season. The Elks getting ready for Friday. Morley Scott has the Elks this week coming up after the 7.30 news. Well, unfortunately, Morley, the uh, the Elks this week feels like too many weeks this season. Uh, <laughs> not nearly good enough. And man, oh man, I, I mean, I was feeling somewhat optimistic last week. Uh, the way they played on Labor Day. I mean, we know there's mm-hmm. some issues. Um, there were some minor issues on Labor Day. There were some major issues on Saturday night. They got they got stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I mean, I, I felt pretty good, too, going into the game like you. And then I actually felt pretty good when Tanner Green scored that touchdown to tie the game at seven. So Because I figured, okay, things went bad. They gave up the pick six, uh, but they recovered early. They came right back and ended up getting a touchdown and tying the game. And I didn't envision what happened happening after that, and and the game turning into an absolute blowout. So yeah, uh, it it was it it had a different feel to me at the end of the game uh, last week. And and I think the players are starting to realize just how deep this hole is now, and they're not helping themselves by by losing game after game. So it's yeah, it was it was not a great night on
1: Saturday night for sure just quickly Morley um because we're in the final 90 seconds or so here but and I, and I know it's post game and the, the coach is emotional and he's doing interviews mm-hmm. and got a thousand people to talk to um and, and Chris Jones did not have an angry tone when he said this but he he said I, we got to watch the film and decide which players want to be here and what players don't it, it doesn't sound great when he says that um like does he mean that there's a checkout factor with some of the some of the guys, or does he just mean he wants to see who's going to compete for a spot for next season over the final five games?
0: I, I, I think I think maybe a little bit of both. I think I think he'll be looking for for guys who look like they're rolling over now uh, because it looks like the team's not going to make the playoffs and he'll be looking for guys who who want to make an impression still and want to be part of the solution going forward the rest of this year and into next year so i think it's a, a little bit of both but you're right uh, it was, he was different he was different on saturday night we're going to hear that conversation that dave and i had with him he also said uh,
1: he the players should be embarrassed the coaches should be embarrassed and he's embarrassed for the organization so some pretty strong words from chris jones all right, Morley has the Elks this week coming up. Uh, the Seahawks by the way, Reed, leading. By the way, yes. Reed, I want to say Paul Coffee in a Hartford Whalers jersey. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, Two-minute warning, first half, Seahawks leading the Broncos, 17-10. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Morley's next. Talk to you tomorrow.